Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome Logan Trowbridge to the show. Logan, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, you guys. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Well, well Logan, let's first of all start the, the newly retired Logan Trowbridge. So how's that feeling to you right now? You know what? I think it's uh, it hasn't quite kicked in. Give me a few more nine to five days in the office and such, and and uh, it might be stinging a little bit more. So, so does that mean you're in an office right now? I mean, that's where you're working at right now. So, um, life after baseball has begun, and the way that looks is um, I work in a family-owned distribution company for wine. So. Um, I sell wine and market it, and we distribute for about 60 brands, um, some of which are fairly local. I'm in Santa Cruz here in California, um, some of which are in Napa, and then they range all the way out to different parts of France. And so, yeah, we're just we're moving wine, and it's a lot of fun. Well, before we just talk uh, uh, quite a bit here about your career and, and the, the fun you've been having in this time of playing baseball, uh, you know, a lot of people out there watched how well you played in Australia, ha- had a great second half in particular, played very well in the playoffs. A- any thoughts about possibly getting staying in baseball for a year or two more? Yeah, you know, I I kind of made the decision before this, uh, this past year, going into the Milkman season in 2022, um, that that was going to be my final season. Um, you know, I, I didn't know exactly how that looked. And when I got the opportunity to play in Australia, I just, it was something I couldn't pass down. It was something that I had really strived for and, and wanted to achieve for, for quite some years now. Um, so with all that being said, you know, I just, I just feel like it was the right time for me. And uh, I feel really confident and comfortable with my decision that, that I'm all done. Well, well, let's talk about your career, Logan, because you, you begin professionally in the Pecos League and, and are a guy who, you know, had a battle in that year with a team who joined Salina in the American Association in 2017 and had to be on the road all year and then became one of the best players in the American Association. So let's first of all talk about joining the Pecos League and what that experience is like for you. And, and did that ever kind of give you a moment of, am I really sure this is what I want to do with myself? You know what? It totally could have, but it really didn't. So coming out of college, I came out of Cal State Bakersfield in 2015. And um, at that point in my career, I just really, I really wasn't a very physical hitter. Um, you know, I could always put the bat on the ball, but I just wasn't a very good, good hitter at the time. I'm a very professional hitter. And so um, I went to the Pecos League. And when I went there, you know, I, I kind of started figuring some things out and having some success. And whether it's success at a low level like that or success at any level, you know, it really, it really lights the fire. And so um, I was down there, and there was a lot of guys that were there that were, you know, it was their first time away from home, and they were there to party. And, and man, I was so devoted. I was uh, 21 years old, and I could not have been more devoted. I mean, I would literally go and buy the surface, the dirt, um, so, I could, so I could go and, and redo the home plate area. I mean, that's what we were working with was that decrepit of fields. But, I was just, I was all in and, you know, it really paid off all my hard work there um, to then, um, to then move my way up. And it was, it was kind of a funky transition year the following year when I went to uh, the United Shore League. I was only there for about two weeks and it was pretty much a godsend that they actually, they actually uh, released me from that team. And, um, and then Salina was looking for a player. And so I, I got into the American Association and just really kind of set my footing there that year and, and, and kind of set my floor and then just kind of graduated year after year from there. Now, one of the interesting things about that season, Logan, was that, you know, I, I came across a lot of those guys as the season went along, and it seemed most of them were totally fed up by the time they got to, you know, early August. You know, you were battling hard that entire time. I thought that was a real testament to your goal and desire that, hey, you weren't going to let anything stand in your way. You know what? Just referring back to what I previously said, I mean, going through the Pecos League, it was like once I got to those fields in the American Association, I remember the first time I showed up, I went to Lincoln. And, you know, I'm at University of Lincoln, the place seats, whatever, 7,000 people. And and it's just, there's not a, 
a piece of dirt out of place there. It's just, it's so spick and span. So, yeah, I mean, every single day was just, uh, I felt really blessed and really lucky to be there. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, and I think it showed with, with the doors that it opened. Now, the next season, Josh Robertson signs you to come to Wichita. I remember you telling me at the time that Brett Cleveland told you, manager of the team at the time, bring all your gloves. You were going to play everywhere. And when you come into a team like that and and you know you're going to have a multitude of roles, what's that like for you personally to prepare for games? It's kind of fun. You know, it can be a little bit stressful. I remember that season especially. Um kind of coming in and and every single day you know sometimes the managers would will tell you where you're going to be playing that night and and Cleve didn't like to do that so he would just post it on the on on the board and and when you walked in three hours four hours before game time that's when you found out where where you were playing so um you know I think it just kind of uh it could be a, a little bit uneasy for certain players but I really embraced it and I really enjoyed it The next season, you go with down to Cleburne after Wichita folds up, and then you're on to Milwaukee. Uh, different atmosphere in Milwaukee. You were kind of told that you were going to have more of a, a, a permanent position for yourself out there on the field. Did you like that better, knowing you were going to every day be a third or every day in left or every day at second kind of thing? You know what? That was an interesting deal because after, uh, after playing in Cleburne and going to Milwaukee, um, basically, I was told I was going to be the catcher. And so one of the reasons I moved up there was because I had such a stud in John Nestor in front of me um, as as the catcher in front of me in both Cleburne and Wichita. So, um, you know, I called I called Anthony Barone, who I had a little bit of a connection with because he coached at my alma mater. He coached at Bakersfield. And so when I called him up, you know, we agreed that I was going to be one of our two catchers. Um, so, so all leading up to that season, that, uh, that 2020 season, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to catch all the time. And he calls me about two weeks before. I remember I was on vacation with my family and he calls me and he says, uh, we're bringing in more of a veteran catcher and, and you're going to do some different stuff. And so, um, referring back to, to our previous conversation, just about bringing every glove, you know, I was, I was prepared for that. So. It wasn't a big deal, but yeah, it was definitely, it was a little bit of a turning point because at that point, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be primarily a catcher. I go into that season, I start playing left field, and then I end up playing the last 35 games or whatever it was at third base. Um, and so that kind of solidified my spot as, as the third baseman in Milwaukee, which was a total, a total transition and a total left-hand turn, but, but it really worked out for the best. Now, through 20, um, you, you know, I, I'm kind of wondering, is there, is there a correlation to when you know that you're going to be in the lineup at a specific position every night that you then feel more comfortable about doing other aspects? Because, boy, your stolen base numbers in 21 and 22 were huge. And, and I wondered, if is that credit to feeling, okay, I know I'm going to be playing third base every day, so I can kind of do my, you know, get more involved in the game in other ways at that point? Or, or does that not matter at all? You know what? It's a good question, but yeah, I mean, definitely catching has a little bit of an impact on, on the way I feel on the field. And so, um, early in my career when I was doing a lot of catching, I was not stealing bases at all. So, um, yeah, once I moved over to third, I wouldn't say it was so much of a mental switch, but it was more of a physical switch. So, um, you know, I just felt a lot, a lot bouncier, a lot springier, you know, not being behind the plate and, um, man, what a testament to Anthony Barone, the fact that I, I think I lead the Milkmen in stolen bases now in their franchise, and and he was just so supportive of it. I mean, he wanted me, me to feel every chance I got. He really trusted my baseball IQ, and so he knew I wasn't going to run us out of innings. You know, I, I wasn't going to steal if I got a poor jump. Um, and so he really just uh, instilled a lot of trust in me, and, and therefore I really had a lot of confidence base running. And so much of baseball is just, is just confidence. So, um, you know, I think what, what playing third base almost every day in both 2021 and 2022 did for me was I just got really comfortable over there. And I think the more I play at a certain position, the more comfortable I get, the better I get. And so, 
it it really just I really turned into um, a really legitimate third baseman, and it felt it felt good and it felt comfortable. You know, I think many around the league began to think of you as one of the best third basemen in the league. And, and I, I, what I had to say I was very impressed about is that no matter where they put you out on the field, you it wasn't just you, you hit well. You, you were a very good fielder at all positions. How do you adjust to that when, you know, you played, I think, really a lot of games at five different positions in the American Association and were, and were one of the best every, every day at those kind of things. How do you get your that skill level up? You know what? This goes back to uh, to training with my dad when I was um, when I was growing up. He would he would come down to the park with me, and we would work on defense incessantly. And you know, maybe we should have worked on hitting a little bit more. But boy, did did my defense pro us um, just propel me throughout minor league baseball? Um, yeah, I just I really do feel like you know I I did excel defensively no matter where they put me. I mean even fast forward to, to playing left field in, in the championship series or the semifinal series um, in Brisbane. You know, I'm, I'm out in left field, a position that I haven't played in two years and make one of the best catches of my life. So, um, you know, it, it just, it was athleticism combined with a lot of work. You know, they talk about putting in your 10,000 hours and, and man, did I put in my 10,000 hours playing defense. Looking at your career trajectory, starting out in out west in the Pecos League, then playing in Wichita and Salina, and then down to Texas, was it was it sort of an adjustment then playing all the way up in the north with Milwaukee, just kind of a different way of living up there compared to the south? Yeah, I mean the best thing about it was the climate. You know, you spend in the summer up in up in the northern parts of, of the U.S. is just, it's it's great. It's a lot different, obviously, than Texas and, and Kansas. And um, I really embraced it. I enjoyed it. We had such a good thing going in Milwaukee. And, um, yeah, I really just, there's there's a reason that I played three seasons in Milwaukee. I didn't I didn't repeat a single season elsewhere. But, you know, once I found my, my footing in Milwaukee with, with everything that was going on there with regards to the ownership to Anthony Barone and my manager, um, you know, my teammates and everything that was going on there. It was just, it was a great environment for me to thrive. Now, Logan, you brought this up. So I'm a little curious how you felt about this. You're told that you're going to come in and catch. I know you saw that as a pathway that could get you into affiliate ball. And then Anthony tells you that you're going to be, playing a few other positions a lot of people might have been a little salty about that how did how did you mentally adjust to that you know what I think I was a little bit salty um but in reality that year we we go on to to win the the championship and we had Christian Correa back there and you can say whatever you want about Christian Correa and all the different teams that he has spent time with, and you look at how much he's won, it is astounding. I mean, he has just won over and over and over again. It's really impressive. So, you know, I was a little bit upset, but but then fast forward to the end of the season, like, man, Anthony Barone is a genius. You know, it all worked out. So, so I would say that that was one of the best years of my baseball career. And uh, even though statistically it wasn't, but, you know, just going out there and winning and, and playing in that league. In 2020, it was a condensed league, remember. So there's only six teams playing. And, um, and out of the six teams, it's like there was, there was no uh, minor league ball playing being played for the affiliate teams. So a ton of those guys had now come into the American Association. The league was so strong. So getting to play against competition like that and, uh, and getting to win – you know, it, it didn't really matter where I ended up on the field. I was just happy to be to be competing at that level and, and having success. What was it like, you know, with the Milwaukee pitching staff? You had so many guys that had pitched in the majors, and now all of a sudden here you are playing behind them. Did you kind of have to pinch yourself that you were dreaming a little bit, or what was it like? You know, it was pretty wild. I mean, still looking back, that was – 2020 that was the best pitching staff i've i've ever seen i didn't mean 
you could take that pitching staff and go into AAA, and I'd bet they'd dominate right now. And, you know, there's a couple of them that have, that have gotten back into affiliated ball and back into the big leagues. It's just, it's really impressive. So, yeah, you know, playing, play, coming from the Pecos League and, and playing behind guys, um, guys like that, it was just, it was, it was really cool to see how they went about their business. Um, you know, each year I didn't just mature as a player. I matured as a person and, and as a teammate and just being around guys like that, it just, it was a lot of fun and it was a great growing opportunity for me. Got any good Tim Dillard stories? Oh man, Tim Dillard. So Tim Dillard, this just is a a testament of his work ethic. Tim Dillard, when we would take batting practice, you know, some days it'd be 90, 95 degrees out there. Um, and we're on AstroTurf and we're, we're out there hitting because, you know, we're hitters and that's what we do. And, uh, we're out there hitting off the machine and who's out there shagging, running back and forth. It's Tim Dillard. I mean, that dude was 40 years old and he was outworking everybody in the whole league. It was, it was pretty incredible to see. You know, I have to tell you, I'm a little surprised to hear that, uh, you you had a, a bit of a negative attitude originally about um, not keeping the catching job because you know the next year you and I were talking before the 2021 season and I was saying to you you know I, I, I were you a little disappointed that you weren't catching because you knew that was the avenue for you to get back to affiliate ball and and you openly told me you said uh, hey Rob I got to do whatever the team needs and I thought wow that you know you were sacrificing yourself in a way for the benefit of the team. And I, I thought that was a real testament to you as a human being. Yeah, I mean, when you uh, when you see what, you know, these players around you and the personnel around you, uh, the manager, the coaches, what, what everybody's putting into it, it really, it really breeds an unselfish ground of baseball. Um, so, you know, so often we get caught up, and, and this is something that I learned about, um, how people in Australia perceive Americans. So often we just get caught up in, in ourselves and, and what we're doing, and, and we're not really focused on, on bettering everything that's going on around us. And I think that that was, you know, that was definitely a good example of me kind of growing up as a person. It's like, um, yeah, I was upset. You know, I was upset because I did think that catching, especially with, with how I was progressing as a hitter, could really – potentially propel me into a a higher level of baseball. So um, it was definitely a bummer, but, you know, I just, I, especially after seeing what we did in 2020, how can you not trust your manager and and trust the personnel around you? I have to tell you, one of my favorite moments was 2018. Wichita gets off to a little bit of a tough start and the pitching staff is, is really struggling, especially the bullpen. And I was sitting up in the press box with Josh Robertson one evening, and he said to me, man, this, this he says a little more colorfully than I'll say it here, but, but he said, uh, this bullpen is just garbage right now. He said, the only guy out here I can throw out and expect to get out is Logan Trowbridge, and he's not even a pitcher. And I thought, so how are you enjoying pitching that season for yourself? Yeah, that was pretty funny. So, you know, that year I uh that year pitching felt easy. Um then fast forward to to this year where I got to pitch a couple times. I pitched against Fargo and I pitched against Gary and there was an error made in the Gary outing. So, about 8 of the runs were were unearned, but man, I gave up a ton and every ball that was hit was allowed was either allowed out or a double or you know, I was getting I was getting hit around so so pitching was fun in Wichita I probably should have I probably should have called it quits about that time <laughs> too much rest between outings there you go we'll chalk it up to that <laughs> well how did you like your first taste of winter ball this year winter ball is incredible um for one thing, the schedule is just so awesome. You know, you get a lot more rest in between series. So you play a four-game series, and and you typically get about three days off, not to mention the fact that you're flying instead of being on these long, grueling bus rides. So, um, and and put on top, the, the cherry on, on top is being in Australia and New Zealand. So, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, my family got to come out and visit it 
my girlfriend got to come out and visit. We, we all explored and, and really made the most out of what we knew could be, you know, maybe our last time ever going to that, that continent. So yeah, we loved it. We had a great time. Now, Kevin and I were both very blessed uh, during the championship series to spend some time chatting with your mom, and uh, she was incredibly thrilled by your performance over these last few years. What's your relationship with, like with her? Oh, man. My relationship with her could not be any closer, any better. Um, she has been there for me from literally since day one. She... A great, a great example of that is I hit with my hitting coach, and I usually hit with him, you know, especially leading up to the season at least once, if not twice a week. Every time I was there, she was there. I mean, she just loved to soak it up. Um, she enjoyed it just as much as I did. She's just as sad as I am that that things are 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 closing and coming to an end. But um, yeah, I mean, she has just been my number one supporter, my number one fan. She has been incredible throughout this whole process, and, and there's no way that I would have made it as far as I did and accomplished all the things that I did without her help and without her there by my side. So um, I lost my dad about three years ago now, and and he was awesome with me. He was just, you know, like I said, he would take me out to the park, and, and he was just such a cool father. I mean, everything that I ever asked for with regards to baseball or anything else in life, you know, he was extremely supportive. And, and so I was just blessed with two amazing parents. And, you know, it's really, it's really just uh, a testament to, to their parenting styles, to all the hard work that they put in that, that I'm the person that I am today, both, both as a baseball player and as a human being. What was that? You know, your mom was there at the championship series. I, I know she was living and breathing for every pitch, and so uh, she looked at almost more intense and, and <laughs> worried about everything that was going on in the game than you did. And, and so she, she looks like she's really into games. Well, my mom kept the scorebook at pretty much every single game she ever went to, so she learned how to keep the book out of when I was uh, probably nine or ten. And, and ever since, I mean, she's got binders and binders full of books, you know, she, she still likes to, likes to keep them. And I'm sure someday she'll still do something with them, scrapbook them or do something cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, she just, she absolutely embraced it. She loved it. She just was so enamored with the game of baseball as a whole, not to mention, you know, getting to watch her son at, at that level. I mean, she was just, she was absolutely loving every moment and you know it's it was heartbreaking that championship series this year in Fargo um being up by so much in the final game and and you know she was she was devastated so she felt it just as much as I did if not more so I've always said it's, it's more stressful being sitting in the seats than it is being on the field because you have no control and and I really feel that way so so I'm sorry for for any gray hair that I might have caused her, but you know, she she is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, she's she's now my boss, and we're going to be working closely together. And and there's so much more I still have to learn from her. But yeah, with regards to my baseball career, she put every single ounce of energy she could into it. Well, your mom looks amazing, so I don't think there was any gray hair there. So she was okay. Good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, Logan, g gotta ask about the mustache. Are, are we gonna ride with that continuing on now uh, past baseball? You know, the girlfriend hates the mustache, so that thing was off about twelve hours after the final game. But um, it's funny when I was when I was young in Bakersfield, I couldn't grow much of a mustache, but I remember growing one and, and getting some hits and. And feeling good about it and so I feel like every season at some point I rocked a bit of a mustache and I think it was you know it was more of a mental thing than anything but um you know it might have had some hits in it so <laughs> well you got to go with the superstition kind of thing I think so I get it I get that yeah I am a baseball player after all so superstition that's <laughs> all well uh 
it, it sounds like you're you got your life moving forward in at this point. So, is this where you you see yourself staying with this company right now, and and that's going to be Logan Trowbridge's life heading forward? Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of things are going to define me, but yeah, definitely um, a strong footing in this in this work this work venture. So, um, selling wine, and and I'm also building a new home in in Santa Cruz. So building a place down by the water and I'm, I'm going to get to live with my girlfriend in the town that I grew up in and, you know, stay close to my family, stay close to her family. It's just life really feels like it's unfolding the way it's supposed to be right now. Is the glove put away for good or do you have like a local amateur team that you could go out and get some games in with? That's a good question. I think that uh, around here there is a men's league, but there's also some, some, fun beer league softball games that I think I'll, I'll probably get into it at least for now. You know, I think it's kind of a, that and golf seem to be the, the classic transition for a baseball player away from their career. You know, when we have people retire, Kevin likes to go around with them and, and kind of get memories of, of their thoughts in, in the time of league. So, so Kevin, I'm going to kind of pass that off to you and, and see if you could draw out some of Logan's good memories for us. All right, uh, sure, I'll give this a whirl. Um, well, we're, as for custom, um, we're going to start way up in the north, and Winnipeg, Manitoba. Winnipeg. Winnipeg was awesome. Um, loved the city. My mom got to go up there, and so she and I explored it a bit together. Loved the stadium. Um, the people are great, really friendly. Um, let's see if I have, if I have one memory, I got to DH there, which is kind of rare for me in my career. And I remember getting, having a three hit game there. So, so, you know, getting to sit on the bench and then come up, get a hit and then sit back down. That's a pretty cool feeling. So I, I liked that one. And I know we've already alluded to it, but, uh, Fargo Moorhead. Yeah. So Fargo, um, Fargo, I spent a lot of time there. Unfortunately, I have a pretty bad memory there where I got thrown out of a, of a game by the home plate umpire. So so maybe we won't go too deep into detail on that one. But um, Oh, you're retired. Very, you, can, you can spill the beans now. <laughs> yeah, so um, it was strike three, and I thought it was ball four. And, you know, that's always a tough pitch when it's 3-2, and you're either on first base or you're sitting on the bench in the dugout. Um, and so I lost my cool a little bit and, and he ran me and, and man, did I get my money's worth, but, um, a really cool memory that I have at Fargo, which is so funny and, and so obscure is I was there in 2019. So I was with Cleburne. I'm sorry, 2018, it was 2018. Um, and that year I only had one home run. My one and only home run was at Fargo and it was a slash home run. So I'm squared the bunt. I pull back the bunt. I swing, and I hit the ball further than I've ever hit it in my life at that point. So that was a pretty fun one. All right, let's dip down a little bit to St. Paul. St. Paul, oh, my gosh. St. Paul is the coolest place I've ever played in. in um, you know, I'm playing in front of 10,000 people. I'm, it's my first year in the league. So I'm actually with Salina at the time. So the year before I'm playing in the Pecos league, doing my own, my own dirt in the home plate, dug, you know, in the home plate batter's box. And, uh, the next year I'm at St. Paul in front of 10,000 people feeling like I'm on the biggest stage on, on earth basically. And, uh, man, that place was just electric. Every single game was just so cool. I think I probably remember more of my at bats and, and more of the things I did there at that field than anywhere else because you know everything just felt like it was it was so monumental i know you only got a small taste of it but oconomowoc oconomowoc's a funky little place you know i think that they'll they'll um improve it a little bit as time goes by um i had a i had a really good series there though and you know what the best memory there was was i was playing third base and that's this year, 2022, and Jim Bennett's coaching third base. 
And I'm talking to Jim, and, and at one point I say, Jim, you know what? I'd really like to come and play winter ball. I've, I've, uh, I've talked to you a couple different seasons before the year, and it never worked out to go out to Brisbane. And I think this year's the year, and I would, I'd really like to make it happen. And he said, well, do you still have my number? I said, I do. And that was the conversation that sparked me going down to Australia and playing winter ball. So that is definitely the best memory that I have there. Let's go down to the Chicago area. We'll start at that Impact Field. Impact Field is a gorgeous place to play. I mean, brand new, big old clubhouse, um, just electric. But the best game that I ever saw played there was this year. Um, I don't remember how it led it led up to this situation, but we have bases loaded, two outs, two strikes. Um, we're down by two runs, and... Corral Prime is up, and Corral Prime hits a grand slam. I mean, it's it's literally, you know, we're down to our last strike, and he hits a go-ahead grand slam. I mean, that was just electric, and it was the best crowd I ever saw at Impact Field, so that was a great memory for me. Yeah, Gary, Indiana. So Gary, Indiana was where I opened up uh, my 2021 season, and that was, in my eyes, the best year I had in my career. I mean, I had double-digit home runs. I led the league in steals, and, and and I started the season off there. The first night, I break a bat. I mean, I absolutely got sawed off by a fastball, and I break a bat, and I don't know if you've ever seen the video of Hunter Pence where he hits the ball about three times, and it just goes, it goes kind of ricocheting off his bat, and, and it's a base hit. It kind of did that down the left-field line, and and it just drops in right behind the third baseman. I run hard out of the box. I get a double out of it, and I think it just kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. I mean, I hit a home run in that game too, and I just I think that 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 series just really got me going and, and was the spark I needed for the 2021 season to be a great one. Kane County. Kane County. So Kane County is a funny place to play because First of all, there's so many mosquitoes that you can't even you can't even hear yourself think. Um, but if you can get through the mosquitoes, it's a really cool place to play. I mean, they get they get a ton of fans there all the time, um, and the the clubhouse is great. It's connected to the dugout, which we always really like, so we can go back up there and get a snack during the game or whatever we need. Um, so at Kane County in 2021. Um, the ball just would not fly out of there. I mean, it was playing like it was about 450 feet all the way around, and and I got into a ball pretty good and hit a home run, so that was a cool cool memory there for me. Sioux Falls. Well, Sioux Falls, South Dakota absolutely takes the cake, which is uh, 2020 winning the, the championship. I mean, we got to go on the field, and I still remember what I was wearing. I remember the glove I had on. I remember... You know, what I did when, when the last out was made, I, I remember that so vividly, um, and it's such an awesome, awesome memory for me. So that one definitely, that takes the cake maybe of the whole baseball career, but definitely at Sioux Falls. Sioux City. So Sioux City is kind of a funky place. Um, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but there's a cool there's a cool casino that people like to go and lose their money at. Um, I was never much of a gambler, so um, let's see. On the field, I had a cool memory in 2019. I'm playing left field, and I hadn't played much left field. Um, and there's a fly ball hit in between me and Zach Narrier. So Zach Narrier, you know, the best outfielder in the entire universe. Um, and it's funny because I go back and watch the video. It's in it's in this highlight video that Denning Gehrig, shout out Denning Gehrig, the most awesome announcer of all time who I had in both uh, Wichita and then Cleburne. Um, Cleve, he put it together. He put it together this video compilation, and in it is this assist. So there's a fly ball hit in between Zach Narrier and myself, and, and I call Zach off, and, um, you know, I catch it, and I throw the guy out at home, and it was just it's just kind of funny for me to look back. Zach Narrier has a great arm. He probably had the better angle at the ball, but, you know, I wanted the ball, and I wanted the assist, and so I took it. Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska. Like I said, it was uh, it was the first place I ever went to in the American Association. So 
I'm in the Pecos League, and, and the American Association is still going on after the Pecos League ends. And their manager at the time, Bobby Brown, calls me up, and he says, hey, I want you to come up here. I want you to bullpen catch, and maybe we'll activate you onto the roster. Well, looking, you know, looking back, he didn't activate me onto the roster, but what I did get to see was just some American Association games. And I show up there, and it's a Friday night, and it's full. And just throwing on that uniform, it was it was a really cool experience for me. It was really eye opening. Kansas City, Kansas City. So Kansas City, I have kind of a sad memory actually. Um, I'm playing left field, and Josh Robertson has me out there, and this is with Wichita, and I get totally spun around on a ball, and I just fall straight on my butt. And the ball, the ball falls behind me. It's it's a one to zero ball game, and it's the eighth inning. No, ninth inning. Excuse me, ninth inning. And uh, and the ball lands behind me, and the guy gets all the way to third. So I give up a triple off what should have been the the last out of the game. And luckily, our our closer Daniel Tillman closed it out. But that was kind of a funny memory that that still haunted me a little bit into my my outfield career. And Josh Robertson said, "Man, after watching you." Watching you butcher that ball, I didn't know if I ever wanted to put you in the outfield again. Now, what did you, what ballparks in Texas, along obviously with Cleburne, but did you get to play in Grand Prairie or Amarillo or El Paso? So I played in Grand, yeah, I played in Grand Prairie, but that was the only one of the ones that you mentioned. So Grand Prairie was still in the league for, I believe, two years, my first two years in the league, or maybe even three. So I played there quite a few times. And then, of course, the ballparks that you called home, first of all, Wichita. Yeah, so Wichita, that was the last year that Wichita was around. Um, my One of my best friends in the whole world, Nick Rotola, was my teammate that year, and that's where I met him. Um, and it's hilarious because you ask him still to still to this day who hit the last home run at, at Wichita, you know, during that era. I mean, that field was there forever. It was there for, gosh, almost 100 years or something, if I remember correctly. And um, anyways, Nick Rotola hit the last home run, so that's a pretty cool memory there. Outside of, of um, getting to know Brad Allred and having him call your games, um, good memories out of Cleburne? <laughs> yeah, Brad Brad Allred is hilarious. Brad Allred and I are still close. Um Denning Gehrig was there too and and Brad and Denning, you know, what's hilarious is I think that's the only place in the entire universe where they have two announcers traveling on a thirty person bus or whatever we're traveling on. Um we took those guys everywhere with us, but man, they just loved it. Um so, yeah, Cleaver and I, I have tons of good memories. I mean, I had an amazing host family down there that were super sweet to me, Mandy and Lonnie. Um, shout out those two. And, uh, and yeah, I just have some great memories. I mean, I formed some really close ties with both Zach Narrier and Nick Rotola, two of my best friends in the whole world um, that I'm still close with. And so, you know, just, just a lot of the relationships that I formed down there is probably probably some of the best memories that I have. And last, but certainly not least, Milwaukee. Man, I have so many from Milwaukee. Each season, I have great memories. You know, 2020, we played in the we played in the championship series, and and those games leading up to them, um, leading up to the final final game that we won in Sioux Falls. But um, those games were just electric. 2020 was a really fun time there because, like I said earlier, there was no minor league baseball being played, so. Um, and it was COVID time. So we were only allowed, I think, 50% occupancy, but, you know, 50% filled up. Um, so they were there and they were excited to be out of the house and watching some baseball. Um, then fast forward to 2021 where I, you know, like, like I said, the best year of my career. Um, so that was just a lot of fun. I remember hitting second behind Brett Vertigan. It's like, you know, Brett Vertigan played eight years with athletics or something and, you know, made it all the way up to AAA, just an absolute professional, humble, um, great human being. Um, so just all the guys that I got to play with, Chris Conley, Zach Narrier, 
um, you know, some of my really close friends and, and, uh, and some great memories. And then fast forward to 2022, knowing it's going to be the final year and just getting to, getting to soak it in and kind of embrace, uh, embrace everything. I mean, there was, it was an up and down season for me statistically, but, but I just had a, a great support system there to lean on. I mean, I had Anthony Barone, who was the best manager I could ever ask for. I mean, that dude would have done anything for me and I would do anything for him. I mean, he, the level of trust that we had between the two of us, um, we just really got to know each other well as human beings and, and he got to know me well as a player and I got to know him well as a coach. And, you know, I just have so much respect for him and everything that the Milkman organization stands for. I think you'll probably be one of the few people in America that ever uttered the quote, 2020 was a great year. No kidding. Well, even for me, I mean, you know, my, my dad, not to, not to make a serious thing out of, out of a joke, but you know, my, I lost my dad that year. And so it started out as just this hellacious year. I mean, we're going through COVID. I lose my father and, uh, and then I get out to Milwaukee and it's like, it's, it was almost just this, this, uh, this detachment of, of reality. And so I got to go out there and I got to play baseball and everybody else is stuck inside. And, you know, I just, I think I just really appreciated it. Hey, you know, you know, for what, for what Rob and I do too, I think that year was also a really good year for us that, you know, we were, you know, just doing the show, we were still part of something and we were still part of something that was still staying normal in a world in which, there wasn't a lot of normal out there, and it was a fun year. I mean, fans got to see a lot of really good baseball, and you guys got to got to do your thing for 60 games and play with some really good players. So, you know, it was a great year, but just not in the what a lot of people in America would call a great year. But it was great as far as the American Association went. Right. Logan, that was fantastic. So before we let you go, uh, we understand you're a first-time guest here, so we always allow our guests to give us a final thought. So whatever you would like to talk about, the floor is yours. Yeah, I think I just want to talk a little bit further about Brisbane, my experience down there. Um, you know, I got to go down there, and, and it's a real short season. It's only 40 games, and you're down there for for about three months. Um, but just going down there and, and knowing for – for a fact that those are going to be my final games and kind of counting down. And, you know, I just felt this sense of like this, this sense of ease at the end. I was just, I just felt like everything was going to happen how it was supposed to happen. And lo and behold, I have the best, the best three games, the best three game series of my entire career. I mean, I, I, I'll just talk about myself for a moment here. I hit three, three ninety. um, I hit a couple of home runs. I had that game-saving catch. I mean, I just, it was such a great note to go out on. Um, and it just, it just made me feel like, you know, this is the time. It, it didn't make me feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm still playing at such a high level. It, it made me feel like this is how it's supposed to end. You know, I'm supposed to end playing the best baseball I've ever played um, and just feeling really good about it. So yeah, I just feel really good. And and uh, really content with how everything ended. So um, really happy, really, really thankful for everybody in my career. I mean, all my coaches, my parents, all my friends and family, you know, it's, it's a tough life. You're, you're getting up and you're shifting your life from living at home. And then, you know, you're living somewhere else for five months this year. I was living elsewhere for about eight and a half months of the year. So it's a tough life for, for myself and all ball players. And it's also tough on, on our family and our support system. So just a huge thank you to everybody that contributed to my awesome career. I just, I really, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thoroughly feel like I, I sucked every last ounce out of it. So I feel great about it. And Logan, I want to say on behalf of Kevin and myself that uh, thank you for letting us be a part of watching you grow up and, and, grow into being one of the, the best baseball players we've seen in this league. And uh, we've enjoyed watching you over the last six years. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Rob. I mean, I still remember the the interview that we did. It's still saved in my bookmarks. It's funny. 
Logan comes to comes to Wichita with confidence and goals, you know. Um, and and so thank you for for taking the time to to just promote me and and you know it really made me feel honestly that interview and that write up it really made me feel um, more confident going into that season like like somebody cared about me and somebody was watching me and and somebody you know somebody was rooting for me so that felt really good so I appreciate your guys' support as well. Logan Trowbridge, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Absolutely, you guys. Thank you for your time. Well, Kevin, you know, we haven't had Logan on the show before, and uh, that was a dereliction on my part. But uh, great having him on here tonight, and, and we know that out in the, the business world, he'll be doing great out there. Yeah, the wine business. It's a pretty interesting business. I'm more into, like, the liquor, wine, slash beer retail part of it, so I know I know what it's all about. And it's. Um, I think it's going to be another exciting time for – Logan Trowbridge. Yeah, the, uh, big loss for Milwaukee this year. You know, they've really depended on this guy not only to be an outstanding third baseman for them, but he's been up at the top of the order and a guy that can get on base and steal bases for them. So, Milkman have quite a hole to fill for next year. That they do, but as we've seen with Anthony Perrone, he's become one of the better player procurers in this league. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he will, who he'll get to fill that void. Well, speaking of holes to fill, um, <laughs> it's an interesting signing week in the American Association because I honestly think more people left out of the league this week than were signed. So a uh, lot, lot to talk about. We'll, we'll begin with the uh, Sioux City Explorers, who I believe Steve Montgomery is probably draped over his computer now, uh, watching Max Coons sign with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, today we see that closer Thomas McElrath signed to go down to Mexico. Uh, their big stolen base leading uh, outfielder, Danny Amaral, also headed for Mexico. Uh, Adima Rafaela also heads for Mexico. <laughs> Is there an ulcer in, in Tampa right now, do we think? It's uh, talk about an early season test. You know, usually he's dealing with this stuff right as the season starts. Uh, These guys get off the hot starts and then get noticed, but boy, to have it in in late February, that's, um, yeah, I'd say that's a definitely definite early test for Steve Montgomery. Absolutely. We, I, I, I don't think he, he didn't have very many signings other than infielder Miguel Sierra this week. So uh, a lot of holes to fill out there. But, you know, uh, talking with him a few days ago, he's um, uh, far ahead of where we've seen in previous years, Kevin. So there, there's some stuff going on he's preparing for this year. Let's talk about uh, Cleburne. Resigns outfielder Hill Alexander. We, we liked this guy last year, Kevin, combined with Zach Narrier and um, uh, Cody Clemens to be create just an outstanding outfield for that group. And looks like they're kind of bringing the old group down together here to have quite a year coming up this season as well. I thought Hill Alexander was more, one more of the more. Yeah, I can talk tonight. Um, Alexander was one of the more productive mid-season signings that we've seen. Uh, he didn't start the year with Cleburne, but it seemed like right around the time when he joined the club was when the club really got rolling. Yeah, and you know, it, he was the guy was kind of lost in the shuffle because everybody talked about Chase Simpson and Zach Narrier and Clemens and guys like that and, and really didn't get a lot of attention. But, man, he was had quite the year for that team. And they bring it on um, Mark Caravi, Caraviatis, or... Caraviotis, I think is where the oldest. He was in the league in 21 with Kane County. Yeah, I thought that was the, the, the case. So he also signs at the club today, uh, joining for Cleburne. Uh, jumping around here, let's move on to Lake Country, which was very busy this week. Uh, now, I didn't get the scoop on this thing here, but they do release uh, manager Jim Bennett's son, TJ Bennett, as well as Jordan Schaefer and Dacon Yu. Um, I. TJ is going to continue playing. I'm not not exactly sure. I figured he would be back, and Jim didn't have an answer to me about why he wasn't coming back there. But uh, I, I think both of us are a little a little shocked, at least, to say on that one. That might be one of those let's stay tuned parts. Absolutely. You can be absolutely correct. Lake Country uh, acquires left-handed pitcher Kyle Loebstein from Tijuana in the Mexican League. Right-handed pitcher Nick Howard heads for the Atlanta Braves organization, so congratulations to him out there. They also signed uh, infielder Pat DeMarco and 
outfielders Pat Adams and Marcus Chu join the team out there. So Jim Bennett is pretty close to coming in on his 28 for um, spring training there, needing just another catcher and probably one more outfielder and one more pitcher, and I think he would be at 28. So, um, you know, you got you to give him credit because I believe right now he's still overseas getting – Australia ready for uh, the winter baseball classic. So, um, but you know, keeping himself active in the trade market, that uh, nice age we live in, Kevin, where you can still do those kind of things. So, well, I, uh, you know, without, without knowing for sure, it could be the issue where he wants to get a roster finalized before having to focus on the world baseball classic. So maybe that's what's going on. That's an outstanding point. Very good point. Milwaukee suffers a big loss today, Kevin, when uh, Rodrigo Benoit signs to go to Durango. Man, he, he really turned into a dominant closer in this league and had a huge series in the playoffs. I mean, the guy was phenomenal in the playoffs as well for this team. Uh, that's, but, you know, Anthony Brown seems to find a closer somehow or another every year. Hey, you know, I, I mean, I can remember how proud um, Anthony Brown was of the work he was getting out of Benoit and you know, he told us both that he may be may have been the best arm in the entire league. So, doesn't surprise me that he's going to get an opportunity at a little bit of a higher level with the Mexican league. Absolutely. Also signed infielder Delvin Zinn to the club. Chicago officially signs Josh Altman after um, he was acquired from Lincoln last week. But they lose Grant K heading down there to Dos Laredos there in the Mexican league and. Uh, Kay, I think, you know, a couple of years ago had six homers. Last year hits over 20. Really a breakout season for Grant Kay. And for a team looking to try to get that extra big bat, I mean, hey, that was a huge loss for this club. It was. And, you know, as you pointed out, um, Grant Kay was, I believe he was a loner to Sioux Falls in 2020. And we were looking for big things out of him, didn't really get him. And then he ended up in Chicago, and boy, I mean, the numbers that just kept getting better every year. Yeah, quite quite a big big addition to that club, and had a big home run derby last year as well, too. So that was pretty exciting with his his contribution to that. Uh, let's see, Can, uh, Kansas City signs outfielder Jacob Robson again. He returns to the club. Uh, kind of a, one of those guys also kind of lost in the shuffle among a lot of big-name guys, but at the top of that order, he has really been a guy that manager Joe Calpa-Pietra has been able to depend upon. And it just seems like that was just the direction they went. Um, I'm sure you're, you had it on your list coming up, uh, Malik Smith. Um, I believe was he signed by the Mexican League also? He was. You are correct. You are correct. Yeah, so, you know, he loses one guy at the top of the order and then just brings in another. Kevin uh, very well covered that, so I will move on to there. So, excellent. Um, they also signed uh, Zach Cohn uh, back to their bullpen for this coming season. Moving on to Kane County, uh, the big addition for them as they re-signed Jack Fox and, and Weston Muir. We, we knew that uh, both of those guys going to be back a couple months ago. They were close to contracts already, but man, talking about two guys uh, combined, what are we talking about? I think 18 and 3 or something last year for these two guys, two rookie guys. Uh, what, what a phenomenal addition back to this starting rotation. Yes, two of the young lions, I like to call them, in the American Association. I like that title. Right-handed pitcher C.J. Carter also signs with the Cougars, and I believe that it was all for – oh, no, Allie, uh, Galley Cripps also re-signed with the team. So um, I might have talked about that last week, so I'll, I'll leave that yeah. there. Oh, I think I did. Okay. Uh, Fargo re-signs infielder Manuel Boscon and Alex DeBoard, uh, two of the huge pieces for this club. Last season, Manuel Boscon has turned into one of the most feared hitter, really added a, some pop to his bat last season, Kevin, with the home run. So – um, that, you know, that this Fargo-Moorhead team is not going to be taking any steps backward, it looks like. No, they're not. It looks like slowly but surely the band's getting back together. Absolutely. Lincoln signs right-handed pitcher Nick Leo, uh, and I believe that was all for them. Yes, it was. And then who am I left with? Oh, let's talk about Winnipeg, because uh, this is kind of an interesting week for them. They, they re-signed Landon Barossa and add... 
uh, outfielder Najee Gaskins. But Tasker Strobel, big time closer for them last year, finished second in the in the league in saves. But he joins his former manager and Rick Forney, who heads to York. Um, and so we're going to see who's going to wind up closing for this team for next year. I'm sure there will be uh, plenty of options as Greg Taggart builds the ball club in Winnipeg. Absolutely, and we know Greg comes up with some high-quality pitchers out there to do that job. And the last group of guys, the Sioux Falls Canaries, right-handed pitcher Matt Dunaway signed by the team, right-handed pitcher Stevie Ledesma, who was very good uh, coming into the rotation. He heads for Mexico. Again, it seems like everybody in the league was heading for Mexico this week. <laughs> and that, uh, I think, closes this out on, on the deals and transactions from around the American Association. So a lot of stuff going on, um, but we are... Uh, Man, we are closing in. Kevin, a spring training got, got underway in Major League Baseball and uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. And um, now we're going to start to see guys, uh, theoretically, are going to be <laughs> released here at some point. And uh, we're going to start to see some of these rosters filled out for clubs like Kansas City and Kane County who really haven't been diving in too deeply yet. Uh, do we need to do it this week in the Mexican League? Uh... <laughs> I mean, it would be a real challenge. I I don't know much Spanish outside the Taco Bell menu, but I like that thought. Um, it seems like, I mean, seriously, there were there were there was a ton of guys that headed down to Mexico this week, and I was looking on the transaction, thinking, man, I I think we had more more guys leaving to go to affiliate ball in Mexico than were signed in the league. So I like that. All right. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's a testament, again, when you talk about the growth of the league and how the type of player that they're getting now, that Mexico, which is a completely independent league now, no more affiliation to Mex to uh, Major League Baseball, um, they're going to go out and they're going to get guys, and they're paying a lot of money for these guys. So that they're bringing in American Association players says a lot about how well this league has gotten, so how good they are right now. So that's a, a good thing. You know, Kevin, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious, your thoughts at this point, uh, as you kind of look at some of these teams' rosters, you know, we, we've been around George for a long time, and we know how Joe Coffey-Pietro operates and Steve Montgomery and some of these guys. You've got to think that some of them likely have players close to contract or under contract. They just haven't said something yet at this point. So, you know, when we, when we see a team has four or five players, they, they theoretically could have 15 or 16 already under contract. They just haven't announced it yet, I would think. Uh, we used to see it all the time with St. Paul, you know, with our relationship with Sean Aronson, that he would tell us that, you know, George would say, hey, you know, I've got this guy, this guy, and this guy, but um, don't make an announcement yet. So I'm sure that's the way um, Samson's still operating in Kane County. Well, let's jump into some of the other uh, leagues around there. Uh, news in the Atlantic League will begin with that the York Revolution Home Park will now be called the Wellspan Park. I'm feeling much better about York after that uh, official new sponsor for them. Uh, also, some signings, former American Association guys, Dion Stafford, who played for Winnipeg last year as a catcher. He also joins York, as what does Alexis Pantoya, um, signs with York as well. So Rick Forney reaching back to some of his guys, drawing them into his new club uh, and his new job. In the Frontier League, um, they had some, uh, some transactions. None of these guys, I think, came from the American Association or other than Brad Zanika was sent to the Chicago Dogs um, in a trade with Tri-City. But otherwise, uh, I'm trying to think, did Brendan Bell play in the American Association last season? Right-handed pitcher? Maybe not. Okay. Maybe I'm it sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. I'm just, I, I just didn't place it, so I didn't want to look it up. I'll, I'll admit it. So um, I just didn't. So uh, that, that's really all that's going on around there, and I think that is our independent baseball wrap at this point. So we get to the – well, first of all, before I say this, uh, Kevin, some, some sad news I know for you this week that uh, a place that you've really been touting and, and, you know, has been kind of a home away from home for you a little bit uh, over the last few years is, is closing down, I'm hearing. Well, it seems like there's been a last-minute um, infusion of either money or change of ownership of our local bowling alley. It's, it's been um, 
it's been an ongoing drama, and I had some fun with it on Facebook because, you know, when something like this happens, people got to get the dirt, Rob. They like the dirt, you know? Yes, they do. We, You're right. Yes, we got we to gotta hear the dirt. Well, I, I had one person that, I mean, I'm in with the ownership of the alley, and I'd like to think I got a pretty good grasp of what's going on. But, of course, you know, you got your Facebook keyboard housewife that just has to know all the gossip, all the dirt. And she's, she puts me in a message and says, well, you seem to know everything. What's going on? Well, I responded to her and um, said that the local bowling alley was closed due to a power outage caused by uh, infestation of muskrats from southern Manitoba. So I was at a Minnesota Wild game on Friday night, saw the question pop up, and I thought, nah, I got, thanks to the NHL, I got 18 minutes between periods to work with. So I totally improv the story and um, had a good time with it. So now, um, as it sounds like the bowling alley will st still indeed be open, uh, I'm going to work on coming up with um, Southern Manitoba muskrat bowling shirts. <laughs> right on that's what i'm talking about absolutely i like it and uh kevin what is our final thought for this week uh my final thoughts gonna be short and sweet if um folks that i'm associated with um are going to be heading to spring training especially this week i don't want to see your pictures we're getting dumped with possibly two feet of snow up here so leave it keep it to yourselves thank you <laughs> Love it. Once again, we want to thank Logan Trowbridge for joining us this week. For Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.